And without making that connection, we're not going to be able to find effective therapy. There may be some hesitation for using a new targeted therapy. And I think being able to make a connection with the patient in that shared decision-making format where we need to give information to our patients, hear what they have to say. I think that's what we really need to do is just stop and listen. And I think as dermatologists, and I am more guilty than anyone, I'm not pointing any fingers, we need to stop and listen. And I don't think we're very good at that. Uh, Sometimes we think we are, but we're not really. And that's what the data tells us when we ask patients. So that would be my one tip is just try to slow down a little bit when you're in a room with an atopic dermatitis patient and just listen to what they have to say. That's my number one tip. A really good tip and an observation from a perspective of, I think sometimes it's human nature, the writing reflex where we feel we know the answer before a patient even says what it is, or we know we have to provide a solution-based response when it just could be a passive listening. It's difficult. I think we all do that. I certainly have done that many times and could probably continue to do it as well. Yeah. Like, it's like being on... Um, like an exercise bike when you're doing like a spin class or something, you're going really, really fast, fast, fast. And then they tell you to slow down. It's hard sometimes to slow down when you're in that. And I find that way in clinics. Sometimes you're just in this mode. You're in to see an acne patient, in to see a wart patient. You're just boom, 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 room to room. And then you have an atopic patient who needs a little more of your time. And you just have to learn how to just slow down for that patient and just pause and listen. Hi, I'm Dr. Melinda Gooderum. And you are listening to the Skin and Joints podcast live from the World Congress of Dermatology in Singapore. So, uh, Dr. Gerdahan, thanks again for being on the podcast. Great to see you. This is a first time for us in the sense of we've never brought the podcast or podcasted outside of the country. A really neat experience for us. There's so much going on at the World Congress. But before we get into that, we want to hear your Singapore story. So maybe an interesting tidbit, an experience, whether it be good or bad, an unrealized expectation that dawned upon you in your adventures uh, in Singapore. Yeah, I know. It's a great time in Singapore. Uh, however, there, there was some challenging uh, directional issues. I had one meeting at one hotel. I had to be at another meeting at another hotel. And I was going to walk on the street, but when I asked for directions, they said, you know, you're crazy to go outside. Don't go outside. It's too hot. It's too humid. You can walk through the SunTech Mall to get there. So I thought, well, that's great. It's air conditioned. I will just make my way over to this other hotel. Thinking that my Google Maps app would actually work in the SunTech Center, I I got lost. I was walking in circles. I think it was two hours before I got into into my next meeting. So it sounded like a great idea, but in the end, I bared the heat and humidity and I I walked on the street because cutting through the mall was not a shortcut in my experience. (laughs) And I ended up buying a new suit, which is a lovely linen suit, but I ended up spending too much money and too much time in the mall when I really just wanted to get to my next meeting. So hold on, let's analyze this. You got lost and I almost feel this may have been designed in a way that's strategic for you to make a purchase, get enlightened, and then have enough energy to get out of this maze. That is quite the experience. And a lot of listeners can probably appreciate that feeling of being lost. You're really near your hotel and you're circling... (laughs) Just just meters away, probably a hundred meters. And I every time I would leave, I would think, okay, I'm just gonna leave the mall and go to the street and figure out. And I would always leave into the same and I would end up in the same roundabout and I would get back in the mall and I'd walk around and then when I came out I was where I started. 
Well, you know, I remember Dr. Hong was talking about this, saying Melinda was uh, sending SOS signals, <laughs> trying to get back up there to extract you out of this, this space. Please help. Please help me. <laughs> I'm hot and sweaty and I'm lost. Yeah, but at least you got a suit out of it and it made that decision. So hopefully that was yeah, a good investment. Some poor souvenirs, a new linen suit. There you go. So you were one of the presenters at the World Congress that has been very popular. You were very busy with the sessions you were hosting and speaking at. Could you share with our listeners maybe a couple of sessions you were a part of? Yeah, you know, one of the sort of pre-meeting sessions that I don't think a lot of people would have had a chance to get to was the International Eczema Council, the IEC. They had a symposium that is actually available online for anyone who missed it, who wants to go back and watch it. It is available. And the topic of the IEC symposium at the World Congress was global perspectives in AD, the non-atopic challenges in atopic dermatitis patients. So we hear a lot about interleukin-4 and a lot about interleukin-13, but what about all of the other things that affect our patients? So this was a great half-day symposium. We had uh, understanding the relationship of AD with obesity and other metabolic comorbidities. We had AD and the mental health comorbidity. Uh, the prevalence of allergic contact dermatitis in patients with AD. There was a number of cases presented, which was really excellent. I was there to present on the patient burden in AD. And then we also had a talk on digital technologies in the diagnosis and treatment of atopic dermatitis. So those are available uh, if anyone wants to go on eczemacouncil.org to the on-demand learning section. You can watch that whole symposium. My topic of patient burden, this is something that I really find quite fascinating with my atopic dermatitis patients. So the complex patient burdens that people do, the things that I talk about, the things that you don't see when you look at the patient. You know, when you see an atopic patient, you see the lichenification, the excoriations, the edema and population, the erythema. You may see signs of chronic scratching and rubbing very visible disease, but there are other things that we don't always think about right off the bat that I think we need to think about. Things like sleep deprivation, Mm -hmm. uh, the out-of-pocket costs of these patients who are buying emollients and herbal supplements and cotton clothing and a lot of different costs to the patient. There is the negative impact that it has on relationships, also the impact on work, school, there's reduced daily functioning, Patients may suffer from bullying at school as a child or work discrimination as an adult. Of course, the mental health impact of anxiety and depression, and also the impact on the entire family, not just the patient, but the entire family. So I, in my uh, talk, I review some of the data that was found by the Eczema Society of Canada, Mm -hmm. which I shared sort of with our global colleagues but also looped in some other statistics from other countries around the world and other global populations. So I think it's important when we are spending time with these patients to look beyond what we're seeing on their skin, look beyond their itch NRS score, to think about all these other burdens that they deal with and the impact on the patient. You know, what you're talking about is so important, and I think our healthcare system is maybe not designed really are geared towards supporting everything else that the patient's facing outside of like the skin, you know, more than skin deep, if you may, in terms of 
psychosocial, obesity, uh, relationships, counseling. That's very, very challenging. And I think that uh, certainly a big gap in the overall patient journey that we see beyond just the skin. So I think any new developments or solutions are welcomed. And you had mentioned even the role of digital and wearables and how that's permeating all aspects of healthcare. Uh, of course, AI is the buzzword everyone knows to say, but doesn't know how to use maybe at this point. So yeah. I, I think I think it's going to be exciting to see as we progress towards uh, new digital solutions. Yeah, and there are some great solutions out there to help you just in the clinic, like easy calculators online, because for many of the new targeted therapies, you have to provide an easy score. And this is, you know, can be a complicated, time-consuming task in that busy clinic, whereas the online easy calculators that are out there. You put in what you see, the erythema, the edema populations, excoriation, lichenification, and you get an easy score in seconds. And so this is really a convenient, and you can just print out a PDF to put in the patient's chart or attach to an EMR that is, you know, necessary to access the therapies that are available to help our patients, again, or all of these burdens that they live with on a daily basis. Yeah, that's a really good point. And tools that help optimize workflow and your ability to provide better quality of care for patients. We were just having a conversation a few days ago looking at optimizing workflow in a derm clinic and how you can use a Lean Sigma 6, this methodology that Toyota uses actually, to optimize. It's a really cool angle and that's probably a conversation for another podcast that we can have. Any other sessions that come to mind or <clears throat> that stick out that you are a part of at the Congress? Yes, yeah, so there were four psoriasis sessions at the World Congress in the main program. And so I was fortunate enough to be a speaker at psoriasis number four. <laughs> um, and I spoke on JAK inhibitors in the use of psoriasis. So for a number of years, had JAK inhibition in psoriasis, of course, tofacitinib being the first one out there. Uh, I was actually an investigator in the tofacitinib program. I think we had patients five years in that program. Very effective and uh, worked well for patients. The you know approval ended up just being for psoriatic arthritis with tofacitinib, and we did not get an approval for psoriasis. However, our psoriatic arthritis patients who received tofacitinib do get the benefit as well in their skin as their joints. The sort of the field is moving towards TIC2 inhibition. Uh, TIC2 is an important jack in the signaling for interleukin-23, which we know is the key regulatory cytokine in psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. We do have one selective TIC2 inhibitor, which is an allosteric inhibitor, blocking signaling of interleukin-12, 23, and interferons. So ducravacitinib is the approved agent. I also talked about some other allosteric inhibitors in the pipeline. There is a Takeda molecule and a Ventix molecule that are both also allosteric TIC2 inhibitors. But I did sort of compare and contrast with some of the competitive TIC2 inhibitors. So repositinib and ropsacitinib also block TIC2, but in a competitive way, not an allosteric way. And so we kind of compare and contrasted that. I think repositinib and ropsacitinib will not move forward in the psoriasis space. They are moving more to a connective tissue space because there is some inhibition also with JAK1. But it's really an interesting mechanism of action, we are able to target that key regulatory cytokine of psoriasis with an oral therapy. And I think that's a benefit for our patients. Absolutely. Depending on the mechanism, the therapeutic target changes. And you had mentioned a couple of molecules that may have been initially designed, uh, quote unquote, for atopic dermatitis, but might be better suited for 
other disease states. And so having updates and making sure that we're well aware of what the targets are, the efficacy and safety is around that. And I think that sometimes you have the Jack family, the Jack stat pathway, it can be confusing for some people, maybe not for the derms, but certainly for others and what target hits what. And when you knock out one, what's the ultimate effect downstream? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it has moved our specialty so far forward as far as being able to treat conditions. We had struggles. We had challenges treating some of things like atopic dermatitis, having an oral therapy for psoriasis, other new considerations like alopecia areata, vitiligo, dermatomyositis, some off-label use, granuloma annulari, uh, things that we haven't been able to effectively treat are now being effectively treated with JAK inhibitors. So I think it really has changed the way we're going to treat our patients in the future. Okay. And uh, looking at these couple of sessions and thinking about our listeners, so can you tell us maybe two things or three things that those dermatologists listening in from Canada, especially those who didn't have the honor of going to World Congress and being there in person, what can they incorporate from the sessions you presented at into the clinic? Are there any translatable learnings that they could tangibly potentially look to integrate and implement? I think with atopic dermatitis, uh, really, we have to, you know, we all have busy clinics. We are always running behind. I know uh, I live it every day, but we have to spend a little extra time with our atopic dermatitis patients to really understand what they're going through. One of the main things that comes out in the patient burden is that they feel like they're not being listened to by their doctors, by their dermatologists. And without making that connection, we're not going to be able to find effective therapy. There may be some hesitation for using a new targeted therapy. And I think being able to make a connection with the patient in that shared decision-making format where we need to give information to our patients, hear what they have to say, I think that's what we really need to do is just stop and listen. And I think as dermatologists, and I am more guilty than anyone, I'm not pointing any fingers we need to stop and listen. And I don't think we're very good at that. Uh, sometimes we think we are, but we're not really. And that's what the data tells us when we ask patients. So that would be my one tip is just try to slow down a little bit when you're in a room with an atopic dermatitis patient and just listen to what they have to say. That's my number one tip. A really good tip and an observation from a perspective of, I think sometimes it's human nature. It's a writing reflex where we feel we know the answer before a patient even says what it is, or we know we have to provide a solution-based response when it just could be a passive listening. And it's difficult. I think we all do that. I certainly have done that many times and could probably continue to do it as well. Yeah. Like, it's like being on... Um like an exercise bike when you're doing like a spin class or something, you're going really, really fast, fast, fast. And then they tell you to slow down. It's hard sometimes to slow down when you're in that. And I find that way in clinics, sometimes you're just in this mode. You're in to see an acne patient, in to see a wart patient. You're just boom, 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 room to room. And then you have an atopic patient who needs a little more of your time. And you just have to learn how to just slow down for that patient and just pause and listen. Really well said and uh, something that we can all work on and improve. Any last words, parting thoughts about your experience here in Singapore? No, it's great. Next World Congress in four years is going to be in Guadalajara in Mexico. So I hope uh, and the listeners are will be able to, you know, it's a bit closer to Canada, not so much of a time difference, not so much travel. So I hope everyone will be able to join. It's a really great meeting. I love, love, love meeting colleagues from around the world. I met 
people from every continent, and I really think it's a beneficial uh, meeting that way, mm -hmm. as well as data and getting tips and tricks for practice, really making those connections around the world is, I think, important for our specialty. That's the neat part with so many different countries represented, over 12,000 delegates. It really was kind of like a mini Olympics, and now you mentioned four years later, Mexico. Stay tuned. We hope to you know, have a conversation with you in Mexico, but even before then, we'd certainly like to. And we appreciate your time. Thanks for the conversation and safe journey back home. Thanks, you too. You guys forgot to mention, just like every other episode, a reminder, we kind of have to say this. The opinions expressed on the Skin and Joints podcast, live from WCD Singapore, are for licensed healthcare providers and educational purposes only, and do not constitute nor replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare provider if you have any concerns or questions about your health. Thank you to Pfizer for supporting today's episode with an independent medical educational grant. Who's going to have the best Singapore story? You'll have to tune in all the mini episodes to find out. Let's chat soon.